Capital at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity. There is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. Political swill. I can't think of a better term to label what we're living in right now in our nation. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, our Friday edition. I know everybody is excited about the weekend, getting to the weekend. Maybe, just maybe, we can find a little peace. You know, putting aside all of these horrible things that we're seeing play out every day. Let me me tell you where we're going today with this. We're going to break down exactly what's happening and why in the United States of America. And I got to be honest, it's going to be tough to get it all in in a two-hour show. But I've got one target for you today. My target is to dispel some of your fear. And dispel your fear, get rid of the uncertainty by giving you facts, specific facts. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to make you think about some things, maybe things you haven't thought of. As that fear creeps up to grab you and make you feel a way emotionally, not factually, we're all prone to that because that's part of human nature. But I'm going to help you find a way to deal with facts, lock in full attention on the facts, and dispel the things that we don't know and understand that are always there. We never know everything. There are always things, important things, that we don't know. But trusting that on the other side of this, there's some real good coming. We're going to unpack that. We're even going to go to a brand new military weapon our Air Force has developed. It's going to blow your mind. You remember that Moab bomb that we dropped on the uh, Taliban in the mountains of Afghanistan. You remember that it destroyed a massive spread of caves where ISIS was hiding. Our militaries developed something even better than the Moab, mother of all bombs. This one's called a weapon system. It's got its own name, and guess what it's named? This is kind of odd, especially with what we're dealing with in the world now. It's called a rapid dragon weapon system. And we're going to analyze what's happening at Fox News. I'll bet you'll want to listen in to some facts about what's happening at Fox News, including Tucker and a lot of other things happening at Fox News. So we're going to start peeling back the layers of the onions. But before we get there, how about some good old rock and roll? How about ZZ Top, good old rock and roll? Remember this song? Catch your feet. Go. Rumors spreading round in that Texas town. About to shack outside the game. You know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you wanna go to that whole mile on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. I'm racing. 
there's always been something about ZZ Top. They were just different. They looked different. Remember those old long gray beards that everybody had them trimmed the same way and they played that kind of raspy rock and roll? I kind of like that. It's different every once in a while. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to live there, but every once in a while it was good stuff to listen to. Well, if you missed the opening statements that we made before we heard ZZ Top, let me tell you where we're going today. We're going to start right now. We're going to dispel some of the mystery that's going on out there. We'll start with Tucker Carlson. How about him and Fox News? His current contract, this is what people need to understand when they're wondering, oh, he could go across town and just do his own thing, kind of like TNN Live, but on a massive scale where he had his own website, he had his own show, and he just put it up on the internet and everybody could listen to him. That may be what Tucker ends up doing. But his current contract with Fox runs through December of 2024. What's the logic in that by Fox News? They want to control Tucker Carlson through the election. Sources coming out of Fox News... I guess we could call them whistleblower sources, are telling us that executives at Fox are trying to keep Carlson on contract, not let him loose until after the election next year. The shocking decision to cancel Carlson's top-rated program, that came just days after the network shut down its top-rated weekend program, both of them in just a couple of days. Of course, that's Dan Bongino has the Saturday night show, or had the Saturday night show. How about an insider account from some people that actually know, actually know who the key players are and the personnel matters of what's going on over at Fox News? Two things are clear, very clear. First, the official narrative from Fox News is untrue. Second, and maybe more importantly, many of the links and speculation that have poured out in the past couple of days from all of us, me included, they're simply untrue. I'm confessing. Nobody would go on the record, of course, for a bunch of reasons. First, Fox News and the Murdoch Empire. Rupert Murdoch and his family own Fox News and Sky News in Australia, the Wall Street Journal, and a bunch of other media outlets. They're known for their ruthlessness against anybody who speaks the truth about what is actually happening in their empire. Network spokeswoman at Fox News, Irina Briganti, is believed to use outlets also owned by the Murdochs, like the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, to plant pieces that reflect for, uh, very poorly on any foes of Fox. And secondly, both Tucker and Bongino are technically still under contract by the network. Bongino's contract runs through the end of April. Tucker's through the end of the 2024 general election cycle. Both are trying to negotiate exit packages as they should, and even after they formally have those agreements in place, there will be non-disparagement clauses, you can book that, that will stop them from even speaking the truth about all of this stuff.
Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. You remember that? That's what we heard on Monday. We thank him for his service as a host and prior to that as a contributor at Fox News. And they said, quote, we thank Dan Bongino for his contributions. Wish him success in his future endeavors. One thing this is, all of it is, it's a power play by the Murdoch family, at the helm of which is Rupert Murdoch. But rising in power are his two sons. We've talked about them, Lachlan and James. It's like a scene out of the hit HBO show Succession. You remember that? Lachlan and James wiped out their biggest shows, both on weekends and on weekdays, to prove something to the rest of the staff. What are they trying to prove? Who's the real boss? But in effect, insiders say they've created a crisis that is going to spin out of control. In that HBO special succession, an old media mogul named Logan Roy He navigates major business decisions for his huge empire while his kids aggressively use whatever leverage they can find to manipulate everything going on to advance their own positions. That sounds kind of like an American thing, maybe in this case an Australian thing. While Rupert is said to hate Fox News, its plot is actually very close to what is happening in real life at Fox as the adult children of the owner make moves in their bid to take over for dad. As of right now, the plan remains the same. Pay out Carlson's contract, keep him on the sidelines through the 2024 election. That's coming from a senior executive at Fox, not on the record. They knew they would take a beating for this, but everyone, everyone is pretty rattled at Fox. They weren't expecting the blowback to be this bad. I'm going to get into what the blowback already has been, and it's pretty obvious. Most people in America that follow Fox News, they're not only upset about Fox firing Carlson, they're pissed off. It's been severe all week long. Steep drop in Fox News ratings in that time slot. Multiple sources are reporting today a detail about Carlson's contract. He's not fired. You know that. His contract is still ongoing. That's what contracts do, folks. You keep abiding by the terms of the contract, every party to the contract. That's what you do. And if changes are made during that time period, the person that has the power and the authority or the company that has the power and the authority in the contract to terminate any part of it, there will be terminate details that are included in the contract. We don't know those yet. Another source close to Tucker said the Murdochs may end up trying to hold him and his contract through the election next year to effectively shut him down, keep him from becoming serious competition to them, whatever he ends up doing or where he goes. Megan Kelly You remember her, beautiful blonde lady, great television personality. She's an attorney, and she's very well-spoken. She's got her own podcast now, and it's watched all over the world. She stated 
on her show yesterday saying that Carson and Fox are negotiating an exit and that while his show is canceled, he's been kicked out of his company email address. Contract is still in effect, which keeps him from doing anything else unless they agree to it. Now, who is this Murdoch family? They've owned Fox News from the beginning. And with it came immeasurable power over the American populace, especially conservative America. They technically control what shows up in news programming on the TV screens of millions of us. But whether and when they exercise that control, it's changed over the decades, and it's based upon who's running it at the time. Much like that guy and his family in succession, that HBO special, there are lots of times when the Murdochs have seemed either oblivious or indifferent or maybe both to what exactly is showing up on their network. I mean, they're on the air 24 hours a day. There's a lot of content that goes by, and nobody can watch it all and digest it in real time. But there have been occasions throughout Fox's history when something rises to the level, on a business decision level, where they felt the need to intervene and change some things. Example, back during the 2016 presidential election, they fired longtime and founding network head Roger Ailes, who a short time later passed away. And right now, they're stepping in to wipe out two major shows. In doing that, whatever their real purposes are, one certainly is sending a message to everybody at Fox that they are, in fact, the bosses. <laughs> Obviously, they are. They just wiped out their number one revenue source of a program by firing Tucker. $78 million in ad revenue just in 2022 is gone. So since... Ailes was fired. The Murdochs have been on a long stream of basically not paying attention to stuff going on at Fox News. Tucker first went on the air in November of 2016. The show aired until this week at 8 p.m. every weeknight. Carlson regularly was edgy. He questioned establishment people, Democrats, Republicans, independents, the Murdoch's friends in the donor class, in other words, and hammered things like a desire by some for war, endless war. He got in trouble, big trouble, over his stand on the war in Ukraine. So the trade-off for the Mur Murdoch's was, despite the disruption that he brought to their social circles, which I can only imagine were epic, people on the left can't stand Tucker Carlson. They call him every name you possibly can. And you're seeing it looking and watching the aftermath around media circles about his being fired. We even had an uproar in the Pentagon. Experts and big people, powerful people in the Pentagon were raving about, hey, Fox News got good of Tucker Carlson. He's gone, thank God. He was a ratings machine. That means more people looking in and watching and listening and hearing to what he said. His first show, he had his first show on Fox. I didn't realize this. Less than a week after Trump 
won the presidency in 2016. Having some more ideological aligned with Trump in prime time, though Carlson did often disagree with Trump, even though they shared skepticisms of many powers that be, helped the network that had tried just a year earlier to destroy Trump in his 2016 campaign, helped them rehabilitate its image with conservative right in America. If the 2016 was one of these big points in all this for Fox News, as one insider said, the 2020 election was another one. Fox decided to call Arizona for now President Joe Biden days ahead of everybody else. And that enraged the Make America Great Again, or MAGA folks. That was the base of Fox News. You remember that? Nobody could believe that they did that. That's so untypical of Fox News. Post-2020, when Fox was really hurting, there was some kind of a shift to the right by Fox and it became very obvious, even to me. I look. In fact, I mentioned it on this show several times. You know, it just seems like Fox has finally decided that they are a conservative media outlet and they don't need to pander to anybody on the left. They brought in Dan Bongino. They gave Jesse the 7 p.m. slot. They got Tucker to do the Fox Nation shows. They replaced Shannon Bream's 11 p.m. show with Greg Gutfeld. They generally became more conservative as a network from top to bottom, 24 hours a day. In doing that with the really hard push to the right that started when Trump won in 2016 and accelerated post-2020 because of network moves to undercut him when Biden won, there was what looked like a Wild West environment at Fox News where management, in other words, the Murdochs, receded. They pulled back. And the host and talent did whatever they wanted. In Carlson's hour, he did whatever he wanted to do in that hour. That made it unique, made it poignant television, because you didn't know what topic was going to be talked about and what would be said about it. But everything changed with that Dominion settlement. When Fox News settled for nearly $800 million, the staggering sum of the settlement and the amount of the other suits barreling down the pike against Fox News from Smartmatic, from former producer Abby Grossberg, the Murdochs got scared. And this is coming from multiple sources, inside sources. Carlson never actually met Grossberg in person during her months as a producer for his show. Did you hear that? She's suing Fox News and Tucker Carlson. They never met. And she was a producer of a show. Several people, now you got to understand what this is. Fox is not in New York where Tucker broadcast from. He did his show from Florida in his studio that he owns and builds. It looks like it's coming out of the studios in New York, but it's not. It used to be coming out of Washington, D.C. It's no longer. It hadn't been coming from there for years. They quickly moved, Fox did, to reestablish control over the entire empire by firing Bongino and Carlson, and they sent a message to everybody 
they best remember who's in charge here. It's like when in your first day in prison, you find the biggest, baddest, meanest dude in the yard and you beat the living hell out of him. From that day going forward, everybody knows not to screw with you. That's what the Murdochs just did by getting rid of Tucker and Dan in one week. Anybody who would have challenged their vision for what should happen with Fox News, they learned if you mess around, you're going to find something not so good for you. Another inside source at Fox News confirmed that's the way they are acting, noting that even though Carlson's not to blame for these issues that led to that settlement with Dominion, they said others were mostly responsible for it. The message is clear. At the core of that is hosts doing what they want with little or no oversight, saying whatever. That sort of happened in the post-Roger Ailes area. People forgot that Fox used to be much more centrist because it used to be top-down. This change at Fox makes more fundamentally top-down driven. Only recently did Fox try and reflect grassroots conservatism more. I think we're going to see a reversion to the Fox of the past where it's fewer segments attacking Mitch McConnell and it's going to be generally dumbed down. It's actually going to be, this is my two cents, it's going to be what Lachlan and James and Rupert Murdoch want it to be. Now, what's truly interesting, and this blows my mind, have you followed how much blowback Fox is getting from the audience for canceling Carlson and Bongino? Something that the guys upstairs, that includes the Murdochs, seem to not have calculated clearly ahead of time. In fact, the ratings crashed in primetime this week. Carlson's own video released on Twitter. You saw it. You heard it yesterday. We played it right here on TNN Live. It was a two-minute video. That got more views online. That means on Twitter. Tucker coming back and explaining something. Live on Twitter got more views online than Fox's 8 p.m. entire hour did. Oh, by the way, that's Tucker's old time slot. For now, the Murdochs think they're above it all. This is this is going to go away. This, too's going to pass, right? So as that Dominion thing got even uglier, particularly the Grossberg thing, which is getting uglier by the minute, by the way, the Murdochs just want to clean the slate. The election is coming up in just months now. They think they're going to get their viewers back anyway because where are you going to go if you want conservative news during election cycle, right? If you're a conservative, only one real place to go right now, that's Fox News. Another thing about all this is how quickly the Murdochs shifted gears. I mean, it's like they were driving down the street and just all of a sudden, bam, took a left turn. No turn signal or anything. They just did that. Bongino's been really classy in his public comments about everything. His Rumble video announcing the end of his time at Fox News got over a million views. The truth is far more complicated, and as one person said, it's bizarre. Somebody that is very familiar with Bongino's contract and their negotiations 
said that for months Fox News tried to get him to re-up on his current deal. Negotiations were going south for a long time because Bongino didn't like doing the show on Saturdays, did not like working six days a week. While he had his battles with Fox's management over a lot of things, them editing his interview with Trump, for instance, it was a sore spot, and it would be for me too if they did it to me. He got along pretty well with everybody there and just was not sure he wanted to take Fox News up on their offer to renew the show because of his scheduling problems. Now, they negotiated for some time. Fox News were the ones pursuing Bongino. There was a lot of back and forth, and there was never a hint they didn't want to renew the show ever. As a matter of fact, they made a bunch of repeated offers to renew. It was never in question. So what's mind-boggling to network insiders is that Bongino appeared to come to an agreement weeks ago on that renewal. And there's not two versions of this. This is the only version. The person we're talking about, if I gave him the name, you'd know who it was. This is what happened. He honestly did it because he just really felt bad. He's been there for years, and he's got friends there. And then Fox settled with Dominion. Promptly, management at the network called Bongino saying they changed their minds. They're not interested anymore. And there's a whole plethora of stuff that came down with this deal with Dominion. And don't think it was just Fox News writing a $787 million check. Listen to what I'm about to tell you, and this is factual. You can check it for yourself. Money never changed hands between Fox News and Dominion. Oh, it may have been going from this one to that one, but another big check came back. Why? On Monday of this week. Fox News bought a chunk of Dominion. Hmm, what does that mean? Somebody wrote a check. But it was to buy stock. That's how big company business happens, folks. Bongino went on his own show on Rumble the next day, announced he was leaving Fox. Fox wanted him to go on air and do one last show last Saturday. He didn't want to do it, said he would just announce it on his show. Fox was a little worried he was going to flame them, the source said, but Bongino didn't. Class act. He aired a very classy announcement, telling us all the show was ending publicly, downplaying any disagreements with Fox. A couple of days after that, on Monday morning, what happened to Fox? They cut Carlson, fired him, kicked him to the curb. Bongino and Carlson, one inside source said, were considered the two most likely to say, Screw you to Fox management. Adding that Bongino gave no consideration, didn't really care, and Tucker gave even less consideration and concern. Bongino and Carlson ousters are so obviously tied together, anybody that will look through the maze and think it through is going to see it clearly. After that Dominion settlement, there was a meeting at the network you can bet. I don't know if it was a board meeting or just the, the Murdochs, but somebody made a decision and said these two are the biggest threats to Fox News and they don't listen to us anymore. So it had to be somebody in management. Neither one of them are controllable. 
They were just doing their own thing. They were developing a profile that it became problems for them. They just decided on Wednesday, Fox News did, to cut bait. Most people inside big media, they don't think this is an effort by Fox or the Murdoch family to try to stop Trump in the 2024 Republican primary. I know people on the left are out there saying that. People on the right that are on the know inside of Fox News, they're confident that's not the reasoning. They also downplayed the idea, floated by some like Vanity Fair, that this had to do with Tucker's Christianity. That's just something they're grabbing out of the air. It's not about religion. It's not about the MAGA stuff. It's that the two of them, Tucker and Bongino, didn't listen to anybody. They did their own thing. And Fox has a brand. The brand is, you will represent our company, be quiet, and do what we tell you to do. That's why they love Brian Kilmeade and those people, because that's what they do. So it's clear. you got to understand this. The Murdochs, none of them. Rupert, Lockley, James, they do not like Trump. And his strong performance in the polls for now means going against him would be akin to rocking the boat. And basically what the Carlson and Bongino moves signal is a move by the Murdochs away from anything edgy. And that includes slamming the brakes on any efforts to try to significantly shape up the 2024 Republican primaries. That one inside source that I can't tell you who it is, but I know who it is, said, I think this has less to do with Trump and DeSantis and more to do with people like Mitch McConnell and John Thune. The change in the programming will be that if there's some sort of controversial bill moving on Capitol Hill, Tucker would often use his show to try to kill it. And sometimes it works. You got to admit that. That sort of stuff won't happen at Fox News anymore. I just think the network and the programming are going to be dumber, rah-rah, rhino Republicans, milk toast. It's a reversion to what Fox once was. The Tucker era at Fox was a deviation from the normal Fox News. Nobody can credibly say that's not probably what's going on. Wow. When you come here, you get stuff, you get opinions, and when we give you opinions, I tell you, this is my opinion. We've looked at it, we've listened to it, we've read, we've researched. I'm not going to deep dive into what I'm about to tell you. But the biggest private equity firm on the planet is BlackRock. BlackRock now owns a chunk of Fox News. They own a chunk of Dominion and Fox Corp now owns a chunk of Dominion. Do you think all of this is just accidental? Do you think, if you remember the old Fox News back in the early 2012, 13, 14, that's not early. They've been on the air a good while before that. But the way they flowed politically, they were very, almost in the middle. I remember looking at the screen, listening to some of their show hosts, and I would say, I'd turn to Marianne and say, why don't they just come out with all the facts instead of just kind of being benign and not taking a position? That's the old Fox. I think 
we're headed right back to that. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. The world tells you to wait, that waiting is polite, and good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. You know, I, I, um, I have a lot of respect because of my career in private business, corporations, building entrepreneurially, building an organization, a company that has been successful for more than 30 years. I've, I have respect in that vein for what Rupert Murdoch has done and his kids, specifically his two sons, because they've been arguably very, very successful by any measure. But here's the thing I think maybe the Australians don't quite understand. In the United States of America, Americans are far more committed to news Real news, vetted, truthful news coming from the media than are a lot of people where they're from in Australia. In the UK, that includes Australia. There's always been in the news media more of a really flowery, you know, going crazy, almost like uh, gossip, gossip stories. And they would tell a story but it would be so flowerly and there would it, it had so much intricate detail that it was almost like it was a gossip rag. And several of Murdoch's newspapers are really little more than gossip rags. They just didn't get it. And I don't think they've gotten it yet. Let me tell you where they are going to get it. Guess what's happened to their viewership this week? The numbers through Wednesday are stunning. 
Fox News this week has lost half of their audience. Now think about that. And just, this is Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days, they lost half of their audience. Brian Stelter, little Brian, he decided he was going to jump up on his soapbox and he put out some numbers in a tweet. He was talking about just how bad it's getting over at Fox News. For the first time ever, MSNBC's Christopher Hayes was number one in the 8 p.m. slot, Tucker's slot. Number one in both total viewers and that key 25 to 54 demographic. That's where most of American spenders live. They are ages 25 to 54. That's the demographic that every advertiser wants to go after because they spend the money. So Megan Kelly came on and she kind of took issue with the numbers that Brian used. You know why? It was a Friday night demographic. Brian's numbers compared Tucker's Friday night readings to this week's Monday and Tuesday. When you use Monday and Tuesday, you get a real look at what people are watching. Friday, a lot of people go to the house. They don't turn on television. If they do, it's to watch a movie or they go out. Viewership across the board in news dies on Friday night. Stelter's numbers said this. Tucker's finale, which was last Friday, 2.6 million. On Monday, 2.59 million. Tuesday, 1.7 million. Wednesday, 1.3 million. Now compare that. That's Wednesday, two days ago. Last Friday, on Friday where nobody watches TV news, Friday night. Friday night on Tucker's benign Friday night deal, 2.65 million. Two days ago in that time slot, 1.33 million. That's coming from Nielsen, the most respected and most accurate analyst for television viewers. So they're sucking eggs at Fox. Who in the heck, what are they going to do in that time slot? Brian Kilmeade's been standing in. I must tell you, I like... Brian Kilmeade, but I like Brian on a morning show. He's not a guy that's going to rip apart anything about anything controversial. He'll come up and he'll be abrasive sometimes, but he never pushes and he never really digs. He's not a researcher. He's a morning show host. And the thing that illustrates this insanity and how bad it is to me, and I'm sorry, We spent 40 minutes this morning talking about Tucker and Fox News and what's going on out there. But listen, half of the United States of America really are hungry to get these facts. It's going to change conservative media as we know it today. We were actually getting some probing questions asked to us, riddled with facts and statistics and real researched information from Bongino and from Tucker. They're gone now. And to illustrate how right I am on that, that video, if you just joined us, that 
two and a half minute. How long was that video with Tucker where he came out and spoke to his old audience and kind of gave us some sense or feeling? He didn't talk about where he's going, but his closing statement in that short video was, I'll see you soon. Don't know what that means yet, but obviously it was a message. And by the way, he tweeted that out on his Twitter page. And just that little short video, (laughs) the viewers were more seeing his video (laughs) than Fox News Channel's time slot for his show. Americans are just fact finders. Fact finders. There's something else big going on regarding things in the news, information, some terms. Have you noticed, can you can you fathom how many words that we have been given in the last few years? We've been given words you can't say. We've been given words that you better not say or you're going to get in trouble from the left. Our government is even programming in their computer systems phrases that if they catch Americans tweeting any of that, posting it on social media, it sets off warning bells at places like the CIA and the FBI. This is really happening. It's really going on. I'm trying to I'm trying to think timing wise. This has kind of been a soliloquy the first 40 minutes. We have some real important other things that we need to talk about. I'm trying to decide whether I want to launch into this stuff. And it has to do with the term conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists. I'm going to wait until the top of the second hour. Let's move on right now. Let's talk about that default lending, borrowing default that we face right now and where Joe Biden is in all of this. You've heard Joe over and over and over again. He's challenged Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, telling them, don't send me a debt limit increase bill that has anything in it. It's got to be what they call clean, which in other words means sign a check blank, send me the check over here, and I'll fill in how much money we're going to borrow. That's what he wants. Well, Kevin McCarthy worked his tail off and he pulled enough Republicans together in the House to pass a debt limit bill and it has within it a bunch of provisions about cutting spending, not allowing in this bill, not allowing Joe Biden to just go spend whatever he wants. So at the White House yesterday, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre She slammed the Republicans in the House for not avoiding default by raising the debt limit after House Republicans passed a bill on Wednesday to raise the debt limit to avoid default. They don't want Americans to understand there is a bill to avoid default, and it's a bill that's been scored already by the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, And what they're telling us about it is absolutely true. But the Democrats don't want to acknowledge there's anything out there that's good, that's worthy of being even considered in the Senate. 
and certainly not signed into law. One day after that bill to raise the debt limit was issued, Corinne Jean-Pierre told White House reporters that, and I'm going to quote her, it is their, House Republicans, it is their constitutional duty to take action. We're not negotiating on this, she added. We've been very clear on this. But Republicans in the House have now passed a bill that would prevent a default. That's what one reporter threw up at her. It's kind of like she didn't know it. This reporter said, but Republicans in the House have now passed a bill that would prevent a default. So at what point? She said, they need to deal with what is at stake here, which is making sure we do not default. She turned a blind eye to the bill that House Republicans passed less than 24 hours earlier. Again, this is something they need to do, she continued. It's very simple. Avoiding default is a congressional obligation. Well, they passed a bill. Why don't you jump up at your podium and scream at Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer over in the Senate and get them to pass and agree this bill? And so then get with the White House and get President Biden to understand if you don't sign this bill, you're going to default. When she was questioned about whether Biden would meet with Speaker McCarthy at all about raising the debt limit, she said the president would not meet with the House Speaker about the Speaker's bill. He's happy to meet with the Speaker, she said, but not but not on whether or not the debt limit gets extended. That is not negotiable. And we've been very clear about this. So on Wednesday, two days ago, before the House finalized that bill, President faced pressure to negotiate the debt ceiling with them. Republicans say you're refusing to negotiate on the debt limit. That's a reporter talking to Biden at the White House before he interrupted. They haven't figured out the debt limit yet, Biden responded. He has again and again refused to negotiate with Republicans. He condemns this plan. He doesn't have a plan. Their plan is give me a blank check. That's all I'm going to sign. You give me a blank check and I'll put a bill together and make it happen. Now, McCarthy reminded us of some things. You know, Biden's been preaching. I don't think he's cognizant of where he is today, let alone where he was years ago. But he forgets Nancy Pelosi was House Speaker. He doesn't remember that. When she was House Speaker, she tied fiscal and spending talks to raising the debt limit in 2019. She refused to pass a clean debt ceiling increase. Pelosi, along with President Biden, have opposed past debt ceiling raises without fiscal changes, and the Pelosi and Biden did so back when the national debt was way, way lower than it is now. But you know what? We're supposed to forget about that. We're supposed to forget about history and facts. And by the way, YouTube, where everything that you've ever said, if you're in politics, it's recorded for all time. News Nation DC correspondent Joe Khalil asked, you're hearing Democrats say, look, when it comes to raising the debt limit, avoiding an economic catastrophe, there should be no negotiation. That should be by itself. Let's do it. Let's get over this. Why do you think that they are wrong? 
And McCarthy said, because look at what Pelosi said in 2019, that we would never pass a clean debt ceiling without doing something in the economy as to how we're going to spend. Schumer said the same thing. President Biden has said a senator, even vice president, he had the Biden talks. This is what we have done every time, but what's more important, when they would say that, we were only at $20 trillion in debt. Now we're at $32 trillion. It's larger than our entire economy, plus 20%. We've watched it. We're at a tipping point. And this president wants to spend even more money. Money, 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 money. Larry Kudlow, Fox News Business. I like Larry. He's an old guy. He's been around for a long time. He knows a whole lot more about government and economy than me and many other economists do. He weighed in on what McCarthy did. I like this. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy notched an enormous victory last night by passing a debt ceiling bill that would lift the federal borrowing allowance by $1.5 trillion over the next year in return for nearly $5 trillion of deficit reduction over the next 10 years. This changes the political, fiscal game completely. Mr. McCarthy has turned the tables on President Biden. Why? Well, because Biden has been prattling on for weeks and months, saying he won't negotiate until the House Republicans come up with a budget. Well, they just did. And it's going to force Biden to the negotiating table sooner than he and his minions think whether they like it or not. Even Democrats in both houses want a negotiation, even if they don't agree with the Speaker's bill. Really, in Washington, other than Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, nearly everyone wants a negotiation to secure the creditworthiness of the debt obligations of King Dollar, the world's reserve currency. And folks know that there are going to be budget savings attached to the debt bill. That has happened eight times in the last 38 years, okay? Two Graham Rudmans under Reagan, one Papa Bush, three Clinton-Gingrich deals during the 90s, and two deals during the Obama years. Now, before we get into more details, here's some Biden blarney that he's going to have to take back. Take a listen. What is your message to Leader McCarthy? So I want to make it clear, I'm ready to meet with the speaker anytime, tomorrow, if he has his budget. Lay it down, tell me what you want to do, I'll show you what I want to do, see what we can agree on or we don't agree on. Take default off the table, and let's have a real serious, detailed conversation about how to grow the economy, lower costs, and reduce the deficit. Well, there you have it. Now, Speaker McCarthy is going to be here in just a couple of minutes to comment on all this. But it is remarkable that Biden has gone 85 days after his first meeting with Speaker McCarthy without a second date. 85 days and counting. No coffee, no Diet Coke, no drive-in movie, nothing. Now, that's an abomination, especially from a guy who used to sell himself as a uniter and a compromiser, or specifically the guy who negotiated a spending cut debt deal with Republican Speaker John Boehner 12 years ago. So talk about hypocrisy. Talk about low politics. Talk about incapable of speaking the truth. I don't think Biden and company took McCarthy seriously. 
I don't think Biden world ever expected the new GOP House to function, but they are dead wrong. Actually, Mr. McCarthy has put together two major bills. Besides this debt limit deal, he also engineered H.R. 1, the Lower Energy Costs Act, that will reopen the fossil fuel spigots that are so important to cutting inflation and increasing growth. In fact, today's GDP report, which showed barely 1% growth and 5% inflation, the worst of both worlds, continuing the stagflation that has robbed working folks throughout the country of real wages and living standards, that should be a spur to Biden to get off his butt and do something to help the country for a change. Instead of just whining about MAGA, 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 he and his staff should get moving to generate the kind of limited government budget restraint that House Republicans are proposing, along with a reopening of our economy, saving the energy sector. Now, I'll end tonight where I began. Speaker McCarthy's debt bill completely turns the tables on Joe Biden's phony, lazy stalling tactics. Right now, McCarthy's in the catbird seat. What an interesting turn of events. And like I mentioned last evening, you know, folks, save America. Retire Biden-Harris. <laughs> save America. Retire the president and the vice president. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break on the other side of this. You know, I told you, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on, the way you and I look at everything happening in our government. We have different perspectives. Some of us agree on a lot of things. Some of us disagree. That's okay. We're sitting out here. There's so many moving parts and moving people in our government. Nobody has the whole picture captured. But at least we can talk. We can ask questions. And for some people, we can answer their questions. I'm going to do that next. I told you a little bit ago, there's something I want to weigh in. What in the heck is going on with our government and where are we headed? You think we need to have that conversation? I'm pretty sure I need to have it. And I'm going to give you opinions in this next piece, but I'm going to riddle it with facts and history. Hmm. We're going to talk about how and why we are where we are and where are we headed. That's next. Spin free, collusion free, obstruction free, fake news free, gluten free. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. 
farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or affiliate. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. song came out it was really really weird the song's titled a horse with no name you know what that that was about in that song that was about heroin a horse with no name that's kind of scary spooky isn't it just to think about it i've been to the desert on the horse with no name wow i don't want to go down that rabbit trail there are a lot of rabbit trails and rabbit holes that we're looking at as Americans today. We just get something new thrown in front of us almost daily. Let's call it what it really is, chaos. Chaos. And if there's one silver lining to the chaos that we've been witnessing year after year of late, the silver lining is that that tinfoil brigade, you know, those people of research-driven free thinkers that They have the concepts that we're supposed to just believe because they're giving them to us. You know, if you breathe the air with that person, that person might have disease. You're going to get their disease and you're going to die. If you don't get this shot, you're going to die. If you do get it, you're going to die. All of that stuff, scaring us to death about politics, weaponizing anything and everything they can that against us. And if we dare to speak out and say, wait a minute, the facts don't say that, which is what we do here, oh, we get slapped around. You're conspiracy theorist. You're pushing back against us, and those are only conspiracy theories. And people that embrace that thought process with increasing frequency, by the way, have been proven accurate, thanks to a large part, to brave whistleblowers, people that are determined to dig in. Newly opened floodgates at places like Twitter with Elon Musk. Glenn Beck, he's kind of an enigma to me. I had mixed feelings way back when he came on Fox News. He was was out there on the edge, kind of like Tucker Carlson, but maybe even more so. For decades, Beck has been slapped with the term conspiracy theorist. So he decided to put together a list and in a very long Twitter thread, shine a light on those things the government wants to hide and they use the label conspiracy theories for anybody that ever finds one of those things they're hiding and wants to bring it out for a conversation and expose it. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. And, of course, the government has its own media. Their approved media and their experts, they shut down questions in any speech that they don't like with those two words, conspiracy theory. 
But you can tell a lot of the time what the government wants to hide by tracking what gets labeled a conspiracy theory. And so let's talk about a few of them. The Obama administration told us, if you remember, that it was a conspiracy theory if any of us thought that Obamacare would make you lose your doctor and your health plan. That was in 2010. In just three years, October of 2013, NBC News admitted that the conspiracy theorists were right about that. And less than a year later, Glenn Beck himself, he warned that the caliphate, which is a political religious Muslim state, would reform. And of course, he was laughed at for even mentioning that. In June, one year later, all those laughs stopped when ISIS formally established and called it a caliphate. Once Trump took office, the media blatantly rallied around his political opponents trying to destroy him. Conspiracy theories blanketed the nation. The phrase took on a more sinister term. Note, as a social media giants, government officials, intelligence agencies weaponized that term, conspiracy theory, and began silencing anybody who dared to deviate from their approved and accepted narratives. In 2018, Americans were told over and over again that Trump was colluding with Russia. Anybody who doubted it was a Putin puppet. Conservatives reported that their Twitter accounts were being shadow banned. Their tweets dropped into some abyss. We find out later it was an algorithmic abyss. Or even worse, their accounts were permanently banned because they were spreading misinformation. And both of those two conspiracies we just mentioned were proven to be true last year. The Russia collusion narrative crumbled when the New York Times of all papers finally admitted they were wrong. And with Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter and the release of the now famous Twitter files, we found out that accounts were indeed censored to benefit the progressive left. And by the way, our government was paying them to do just that. And then came COVID. And all of a sudden, even once respected virologists, cardiologists, independent journalists got labeled dangerous. You're a threat to society. Oh, and even worse, you're conspiracy theorists. If you question the efficacy of masks or the origins of COVID, the safety of vaccines, or if we needed those lockdowns, you are a grandma-killing denier of the science. I got nauseated watching Anthony Fauci at the White House on those daily COVID press briefings. I mean, it was like he forgot what he said the day before, two days before that, or last week. You got to wear a mask. Masks don't work. Oh, don't wear one mask. Wear two masks. <laughs> also in 2020, as we were voters going to the polls, you are a threat to democracy and a Kremlin crony if you even mention Hunter's forgotten laptop and the damning documents that were discovered on it 
were anything other than a disinformation campaign. It took two years. Listen to this. It was two years before the mainstream media admitted Hunter Biden's laptop and all the stuff on it was real all along. We were ridiculous if we thought the global elites wanted us to eat bugs. You are a racist extremist if you said critical race theory was being pushed in your kids' classrooms. Time and again, that which was ridiculed, laughed at, dismissed, was later proven true and accurate. And we didn't even mention, throw into that mix, aliens, the border, or the lack of the border, child grooming and trafficking. Oh, and throw in that one the assassination of JFK. And still, today, with all of that happening, the media, for the most part, choose to ignore warnings from the Tin Foil Brigade. Let me ask you this. What, this is an example, what are the real-world implications if the FBI is weaponized, raiding the home of a former president at the behest of who? a sitting president. What's really happening with the dollar today? If history is any indication, the truth is out there. It will likely show up in the months and years to come. But until it does, what are we in America? What are we going to do? Are we going to believe any of the stuff that's right in front of us? Are they going to call you a tin hat, which they always do? and just dismiss you summarily? Are you going to be okay with that? Let me tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen and how we respond to it is in the hands of those who are in control. Control the media, control the experts, control the narrative, control the country. You and I both, we're going to be tempted again to just succumb to fear and just be tempted to lock yourself in your house and close the doors and wait for the end to come. We can't do that. There's no need to do that. Well, give me some answers, Dan. All I can do, all I can tell you is keep looking for facts. Keep looking for fats. There are rabbit trails and rabbit holes everywhere. All you got to do is find them. Make decisions. Make choices. Live with them. And spread the word when you find something. Don't keep it to yourself. They're wanting us all to do that. They're wanting us not to talk to anybody about that stuff. And if I was on their side... I'd probably feel the exact same way. If I could keep it quiet, keep the truth from getting out there, I can continue to control a lot of people. That's what it's all about. Do you really believe this stuff, Dan? Yeah, I do. I believe it. I believe it because of the telltale signs I see. Nobody can credibly say this government and a lot of bureaucrats that are in the government that weren't elected or appointed and confirmed They're trying to take control of more and more parts of American life. They do it how? They do it through money or the lack thereof. They do it with 
constitutionally legislation, but they can't get that done because we have a Republican-controlled House. So what do they do? Joe Biden just pulls out his executive order pad, and he just does an executive order that makes us do this or stops us from doing that. And he knows full well that a lot of that is not constitutional, and eventually it's going to be reversed. Conservatives, conservative entities are going to file lawsuits against the government. It's going to be litigated sometimes for months and sometimes even years. And while it's still on the books, what are we going to do? They say, we're just going to make hay. We're going to take advantage of the American people. We're going to pull more power away from them. We're going to consume it and control it ourselves. And while we're doing that, we're going to name call. We're going to label any conservative a MAGA extremist or worse yet, a fascist, an authoritarian. It's happening every day. The question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Now, let me give you some examples of clouding the air. There's an IRS job posting that's out today. And it shows that the IRS is hiring, get this, armed agents to work in states across the company. The website on the IRS, you can look it up. It's emblazoned with the words, we're hiring special agents now. And they list the major duties of these special agents. It is to be, and I'm going to quote, be willing and able to participate in arrest, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments. Another duty, you got to carry a gun. Can you believe this? The website says a special agent must be prepared to protect him or herself or others from physical attacks at any time and with no warning and use firearms in life-threatening situations. Must be willing to use force up to and including the use of deadly force. This is on the IRS website today. Americans for Tax Reform, they noted that the IRS has 360 vacancies for agents. And those vacancies are spread across all 50 states. Biden and congressional Democrats used the Inflation Reduction Act to set $80 billion aside for the IRS. And because of that, the IRS is on pace to hire 87,000 IRS employees over the next decade. It's coming. Now, that's one perspective. But then when you listen to the IRS, what's coming out of their mouth about what they're going to do, somebody like, you know, the IRS commissioner. Here's what he says. They have no intention of arming tax auditors. His name is Daniel Werfel. And yesterday testified to Congress and said he's there to allay the fears of a weaponized tax agency. I just read to you the for hire ads that are running today. Are these 87,000 new agents, are they going to have a strike force that goes in with AK-15s, it said. (laughs) AK-15. 
This is Chuck Grassley of Iowa talking. I'm not laughing at the 90-plus-year-old guy, but, you know, it's an AR-15 and AK-47. He put them together, an AK-15. Are they going to have a strike force that goes in with AR-15s already loaded, ready to shoot some small business person in Iowa? (laughs) Stop Biden's shadow army of 87,000 IRS agents. That was Ted Cruz. He tweeted that out. Werfel. The IRS director, he addressed the matter directly in response to a question by Representative Richard Neal, who happens to be a Democrat from Massachusetts. He's the ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. With the additional money from the IRA, how many armed revenue service agents will be hired? Werfel responded, none. So the obvious question was asked, does the IRS plan to hire 87,000 revenue agents to carry guns to audit families and small businesses? Werfel, the commissioner, said, we do not. Now, he later clarified that 3% of IRS agents are armed. These are law enforcement officers in the criminal investigation division, not auditors. They're investigating acute, serious issues of fraud and tax evasion. Typically, they're armed when they're putting themselves in danger, he said. So they're planning on adding um, 1,200 1200 new of these officers in that division, 1,200 more. And they say, or he said in this hearing yesterday, they're going to stagger hiring of the 87,000 new hires over the next decade. But a large number going to be added over the next few years because of employee attrition and historically low staffing levels. By the end of next year, we're told 16,000 IRS employees are expected to retire. The IRS also plans to add more auditors, more accountants, more lawyers, more data scientists to deal with the increasingly complex tax returns of wealthy individuals and large corporations, which can be tens of thousands of pages in length. Novel idea, why don't we just reduce the tax forms? Put them together. Of course, they're targeting, they tell us, individuals with $10 million or more in assets, corporations with $250 million or more in assets. Because the rise of the number of wealthy filers and the diminished staffing of the agency Audit levels for these filers are at an all-time low. Additional staffing is going to be focused on correcting that imbalance over several years. We're not increasing audit rates, he said, for hardworking taxpayers making under four hundred grand. That's my pledge. There's no new surge of audits coming for workers, retirees, and others. We have plenty of other areas we need to focus on. Oh, by the way, Treasury Secretary... She doesn't agree with Werfel at the IRS. She admitted the other day that those, quote, hardworking taxpayers making under $400,000 a year will see more audits than ever before. So who do you believe? (laughs) I don't know who to believe, period. I mean, I've gotten to that point. Where are you in your thinking? Do you trust what you're hearing out of this government? I got to be honest. I said it again. I got to quit saying I got to be honest. Honestly, I have no doubt 
That is part of the intention. And it's to try to ratchet down on the economic issues the government has with Americans, and they want more money. In fact, they demand more money from us, even though our government today is receiving more tax revenue from people like you and me than ever before in the history of this nation. All that with even inflation roaring now. It's pulled back just a little bit, but it's still way, way, way too high. Record heights in many, many years. But even in that environment, they're getting more money. They're getting more and more money. Oh, my gosh. You know who we haven't mentioned the name? Well, we have, but barely. Donald Trump. You know, he was indicted. We know all about that. We were all over it. Everybody in media was all over it a couple of weeks ago when that happened. But it hadn't died yet. And over at NBC, they are just giddy on air about what's coming up for President Trump. Former president. I got I to gotta, gotta always say former president. Lester Holt at NBC News. He's up next at TNN Live. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh... What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang Congratulations. up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, 
all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. And that read part, don't forget, going into the weekend every Saturday at truthnewsnet.org, we publish our Saturday bullet points that always have at least 10 of the top stories of the week. They're summarized, a couple of sentences and explanation at each bullet point. And if, if you didn't hear anything about it, it's important. You want more information, there's a little arrow that you click at the end of that two or three sentences, and it is a link to a full story about what the bullet point was about. And if you've already seen or heard about it, you don't need anything. Just skip down to the next bullet point. It's a great place on a Saturday morning to grab that cup of coffee and just catch up and make sure you didn't miss any of the important stuff. Well, most of us, me especially, maybe you, you're not an NBC fan, I don't watch NBC News. Lester Holt is one reason why I don't watch NBC News. But that grand jury is underway in New York, and they are investigating Donald Trump, the orange man. And they're investigating him for a lot of things. After all, he's the one, he purposely got the Proud Boys and all the other groups, the Oath Keepers, and all those other crazy Americans to go nuts on January 6th. Why? To overthrow the government and to throw Joe Biden away from becoming president. That's what it was all about. Of course, those are the allegations. And there's even more in the way of allegations against the orange man. After all, he's the most investigated human being in American history. (laughs) He was beginning to be investigated even before he came down the escalator to announce that he was going to run for president back in 2015. Oh, well. Here's Lester Holt foaming at the mouth because former Vice President Mike Pence testified before the grand jury. Ooh, Trump's going to die. We begin tonight with breaking news. Sources familiar with the matter tell NBC News that former Vice President Mike Pence appeared before a federal grand jury this afternoon as part of a special counsel investigation into former President Trump's attempts to overturn his 2020 election defeat. It's believed Pence has direct knowledge of Mr. Trump's efforts to block certification of the 2020 election. Pence's testimony legally pitting him against the man who could very well be a rival for the 2024 Republican nomination. It's one of two major stories we're following concerning Mr. Trump's legal problems. Laura Jarrett joins me now with details. Laura, this is testimony that the Trump team had been trying to block. Yes, Lester, a dramatic development today. The former vice president testifying for hours in front of that grand jury in Washington. We saw his car went in around 9 a.m. and didn't leave until 4.30. Prosecutors now able to secure 
what could be pivotal testimony, the conversations Pence had with former President Trump leading up to January 6th. As we know, they are particularly focused on Trump's efforts to block the certification of the election. And Pence's appearance came less than a day after a federal appeals court rejected Mr. Trump's bid to block this very testimony. We're also watching this civil lawsuit. E. Jean Carroll alleges that the former president tried to sexually assault her. She was under cross-examination today. And it got very heated, Lester. Mr. Trump's defense team suggesting Carol is lying about this alleged assault, that she was motivated by her political opposition to Mr. Trump, and that she tried to cash in by raising this alleged incident for the first time in her book. Attorney Joe Tacopina pressed, why didn't she come forward earlier or scream during the alleged attack, which she says happened in a department store dressing room. By this point, Carol is sobbing, saying, quote, he raped me whether I screamed or not. It grew so tense, the judge interjected, scolding Takapina for being argumentative. All right, Laura, thank you for that. Think about that. <laughs> that last part. I'm not laughing at the allegation this woman has made against the former president. But do you know when that allegedly happened? More than 20 years ago. Never talked to anybody about it, never reported it, never made any noise. Nobody saw Donald Trump in that store. There's no proof. But you know what? If you're a leftist and you are at odds with somebody that's a conservative, you don't have to have facts. You can just scream and holler and your allegations are all that's necessary to convict somebody of horrible crimes. Why? especially in Trump's case because he's a MAGA extremist and we know all those people are evil. They want to destroy democracy. Go get those MAGA people. Don't be looking at what we're doing to do that. Destroy the democracy. We're doing that, but we don't want you to know, so don't look at us. Don't ask any questions of us. Just go ferret out these MAGA folks. One would think the number one job of anybody that goes to Washington, D.C. is to protect America and to protect Americans. Of all the things that has been allowed to happen in this administration that blow my mind as an American, it's the fact that this president, everyone in his administration, every single one, every single one, and I'm talking about people that he puts in positions, like secretaries in his cabinet, or heads of agencies across the government in the administration. He puts people in place, and they have this wink and nod thing, which is, hey, if somebody breaks a law and we like them, or we have a purpose for them, don't prosecute them. Don't hold them accountable to the laws that they break. And we're talking about people at high levels. We're talking about cabinet secretaries like Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Javier Becerra, the head of HHS. He got popped by the inspector general for breaking federal law. Javier Becerra did. And he's a former attorney general of California. He knows the law. By the way, Alejandro Mayorkas is an attorney too. Title 42 is about to end next month. Title 42. We know what that is. That is the edict that was made not by former President Trump, by the Centers for Disease Control, that we needed to stop any people coming into the nation 
that we didn't know what their medical status is. We need to stop them and send them back to the nation they came from. That's going to end. And in Texas, in Arizona, in California, New Mexico, people down there are scared to death. Border Patrol resources in Texas alone, they're already strained because of what's about to happen. It rained hard in the South the last few days. And as that happened, nearly 2,000 illegals crossed the Rio Grande River from Matamoros, Mexico, hoping to be released as the end of COVID-19 Title 42 authority is just around the corner. They braved the heavy downpour yesterday. Border Patrol agents and local authorities struggled to move the mostly Venezuelan migrants to get them out of the river and get them out of the weather. Customs and Border Protection Agency, not authorized to speak to the media, said that the migrant crossings are rising steadily each and every day. More than 1,600 were apprehended in one 24-hour period ending this past Sunday. Since then, nearly 7,000 migrants have already made the crossing into Brownsville, Texas. This increase in those crossings is negatively impacting detention capabilities all along the southwest border. More than 19,000 migrants are in temporary detention facilities that are awaiting process. Of those, more than 7,000 are being held in these facilities within the Texas Rio Grande Valley. To address this sudden surge of migrants into Brownsville, a bunch of Border Patrol agents from Laredo has been sent there to assist with the task of processing arriving migrants. Nearly 2,000 crossed on Thursday alone, and that's just in one spot. After crossing the Rio Grande River, the migrants gathered near a makeshift intake center where their biographical information was taken, you know, fingerprints, facial recognition, those kind of things. Personal property was inventory. A mobile command center arrived at that makeshift intake center to help in this task of getting the large number of migrants surrendering, surrendering near the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley campus. And this just keeps going on and on and on in Matamoros, Matamoros, Mexico. Law enforcement authorities seem to show little concern as a constant flow of these illegals crossed into the U.S., Officers with Mexico's National Institute of Migration, they just watched as migrants crossed the river into Texas and they took no action, didn't get involved in any of that. They really don't care. In fact, I think they want them gone. Several groups of migrants using inflatable air mattresses to cross the Rio Grande River after being charged by the drug cartels. You can't cross this border without paying us. That is fact. That's what's happening. They don't let anybody cross the cartels along the northern borders of Mexico. They don't let anybody cross unless you pay the cartels. And they're making billions and billions of dollars. There's something else that's happening in Congress of all places. I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Do you know that yesterday in the U.S. Senate, 
the Senate considered amending the U.S. Constitution, and they took a vote on it. I'm serious. This is happening with all this other distraction going on. Hardly anybody even is talking about it. And the only way I found out about it was my one of my two U.S. senators in Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy, came out, did a video telling us in Louisiana, and hopefully anybody else that looks in, letting us know what Congress, Democrats in Congress, tried to do. Today, the, uh, the United States Senate voted on an amendment to our Constitution. Now, I'm very fond of our Constitution, and I think it has done an extraordinary job for the American people. But today, my Democratic colleagues tried to break the rules. They tried to break the rules to, uh, to add an amendment when three-quarters of our states don't support this change. And the deadline for, for offering this amendment to the Constitution is and was long gone. I mean, in effect, what my Democratic colleagues tried to do was change the rules in the middle of the game. Congress does not have the authority to ratify this amendment. Um, it's, it's just a fact, because the deadline Congress set to ratify this amendment expired 40 years ago. Not four years ago, 40 years ago in 1982. Uh, what Senator Schumer, uh, the majority leader for the Democratic Party, tried to do today was basically uh, pretend that fact is not a fact. And he uh, required us to vote on it anyway uh, e even though the deadline was, was 40 years ago, and even though our founding um, uh, members of the Republic made the rules for amending the Constitution very, very clear in Article 5 of the Constitution. So uh, I, I, uh, I voted no today. I don't think it's right to cheat. Since 1789, there have been more than 11,000 proposed amendments to our Constitution. It's only been amended 27 times. And every time it was amended, the, uh, the people and the Congress followed the rules, unlike uh, Senator Schumer's attempt today. The deadline to ratify this amendment passed decades ago, in fact, four decades ago. Uh, it did not have the necessary support at that time from three-quarters of the states. Uh, it did not have the support of the people of Louisiana at that time, and I was not going today to help some members of the United States Senate, uh, in effect, try to cheat to change our Constitution. And that's why I voted no. So what's this all about? What's this constitutional amendment? It's the ERA, Equals Rights Amendment. It's been out there since the 1980s, a resolution that was bought before the Senate for consideration yesterday would have removed a 1982 deadline for state ratification that stopped the Equal Rights Amendment from going into effect. Three states, only three states, Nevada, Illinois, and Virginia, approved it after 1982. Now, top Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer he is the 
majority leader in the Senate. He said the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, was more important since the Supreme Court last year overturned the national right to abortion. To the horror of hundreds of millions of American people, he said, women have far fewer rights today than they did even a year ago. Groups that are opposed to abortion, having argued the ERA could provide an avenue to making abortion a constitutional right, and the amendment's failure is likely to increase attention on women's rights in the 2024 White House campaign. Passage of that resolution yesterday would have required the support of nine Republicans in the Senate, where Democrats hold a 51-41 majority. Only two Republican senators. And I don't even need to tell you who they are. They voted for it. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine. The Equal Rights Amendment, it was proposed all the way back to 19. 1923, but it did not pass Congress until 1972, and under U.S. law, amendments to the Constitution then got to be ratified by three-fourths, that's 38 of our 50 state legislatures, and do not require presidential approval. Back in 2021, a U.S. District Court ruled that ratifications after that deadline came too late to count. And a federal appeals court in February this year rejected calls from Illinois and Nevada for the ERA to be adopted. Forget about that thing. You know, the law, the rules that we all make. We all here in Congress, we make the rules. The Constitution can be amended. But it was purposely made hard to be amended. Why? So crap like this doesn't happen. It's a political ploy. And if it's not equal rights amendments. If it's not that, it's something else. It has, it would have to do with gender stuff, would have to do with open borders, letting all of the illegals that are here become legal voters and so on and so on and so on. And that all would change from administration to administration, from party to party. And so Chuck Schumer and his minions, they wanted to do it in the dark while well, all the noise is pointed at all the other stuff going on and just quietly, let's see if we can get this passed. We can go out and tell the world we champion women's rights to do whatever they want to do with their own bodies, do whatever they want to do because they will now have equal rights. Let me just say this. Women have equal rights in every area under the law. Does our society allow that to work out to be exactly equal? No. Why is that? It's because of the private sector, freedom, liberty, and not big government shoving down our throats, telling us what they want us to do, and making us do it, making laws, trying to make laws anyway, that are unconstitutional. Seriously, that's where we are. And it's hard to believe that it is. But it is. If you were at the top of the show, I told you about something that just slipped into the blogosphere yesterday. And it kind of blew my mind. You know what this war going on in Ukraine and Russia invading Ukraine and other wars 
pending, I think will be in other words. Glenn Beck predicted that by 2025, we will be in war with China. And oh my goodness, I pray that never happens. Nobody's going to win in that case. Somebody would eventually be able to say, hey, we won the war, they surrendered. But even in that process, probably millions would die because we would go nuclear. We might not be the first to pull the trigger, but we would have to likely respond, and that means it would be bad for everybody. We don't want to go there. But something came out that the Air Force has created, and it just grabbed me because I thought, you know, I know our militaries are way, way, way down in pretty much every area, including how many people we have in our active military. And it's because of all of the COVID-19 lies lockdowns, mandates, all those kind of things rolled in. Plus the fact that many people in the private sector that would even consider joining the military now, they don't want to have anything to do with it because of the feckless leader. You have no idea who's going to be standing beside you if you go to war and are they capable? And even if they're capable, would they want to protect you in, in a wartime situation or would they turn and run? This new weapon... It's called Rapid Dragon. Rapid Dragon. This intrigues me because it speaks to American ingenuity and the fact that, oh, by the way, this whole thing started during the Donald Trump administration. But listen to what it is and how it works. To gain every possible advantage, the U.S. Air Force may have achieved a sophisticated method of modern artillery. This system can be called Rapid Dragon a new revolutionary weapon to drop missiles from cargo plane. Rapid Dragon is a palletized and disposable weapons module that is airdropped and deploys flying munitions, typically cruise missiles, from unmodified cargo planes. Developed by the United States Air Force and Lockheed, the airdrop-rate pallets, called deployment boxes, provide a low-cost method allowing unmodified cargo planes, such as C-130 or C-17 aircraft, to be temporarily repurposed as standoff bombers capable of mass launching any variant of long or short range AGM 158 JSSM cruise missiles against land or naval targets. The size of the deployment boxes is configurable to fit mission or dropship dimensions supporting the launch, ranging from 4 to 45 AGM 158. JSSM ER cruise missiles to strike targets at a range of 925 kilometers to 1,900 kilometers when large numbers of JSSM XR become available in 2024. The pallet control module relays target information directly to the missiles and can be changed at a moment's notice by the pilot's mid-flight through the plane. The missiles themselves, once dropped, will move by themselves to the designated target using the wind and information received to aid in their descent. The current version uses unmodified cargo aircraft, while missile deployment requires no additional crew skills beyond those for airdrops of supplies or vehicles. The system can be thought of as a smart and disposable bomb bay in a box that includes an interface allowing targeting information that is gathered from allied units in the area to be fed to the munitions from a distant fire control center. Interestingly, the Rapid Dragon program name is derived from a thousand-year-old Chinese military-designed crossbow catapult 
that launched multiple crossbow bolts with a pull of a single trigger, raining destruction down on armies from tremendous ranges. The U.S. Air Force wants to get a lot of firepower airborne quickly, giving a radically new mission profile to American transports. The United States Air Force Rapid Dragon program successfully completed its first live-fire weapons test, bringing two years of testing and development to a close. Airdropping palletized cargoes is not new to the Air Force, which literally rolls them out the back of the plane via the cargo ramp. Once the pallet exits the plane, a parachute deploys and the pallet floats gently to Earth. Rapid Dragon is different from the standard pallet drop. As the pallet descends, it orients its missile cargo nose down. The missiles fall out of their containers, pointing straight down. The descent allows the missile's turbine engines to spin up the wings to deploy and the missile to proceed to the target. Rapid Dragon is designed to fit in a six-pack pallet for smaller C-130J Super Hercules transport planes and a nine-pack for larger and longer-range C-17 Globemaster III. AC-130J has a cargo section length of 41 feet well the pallet. In addition to a parachute, each pallet is equipped with a control module that feeds target data to the missiles. Air crews will be able to load target data into planes mid-flight allowing for changes in plans as the battle rages on. The main missile envisioned for Rapid Dragon is the AM-158 Joint Air-to-Surface Standoff Munition Extended Range, or JSSMR. JSSMR is a stealthy land-attack cruise missile capable of penetrating defended airspace, flying around enemy defenses to strike targets with a 1,000-pound WDU-42B penetrating warhead. The missile has a range of 621 miles. Developed from 2020 to 2021 by a team of U.S. Air Force development groups and industry partners, Rapid Dragon has all of its capabilities self-contained on its disposable drop pallet, allowing a standard military cargo plane to be used at any time as a standoff strategic bomber before reverting back to regular transport missions. You don't want to think about something like that ever being used because it means definitely death to individuals, no matter who they are, where they live. War is not a cool thing. It's not a good thing. It never has been. It never will be. We just need to make sure that we take care of, our government takes care of American citizens in every way. That's what they're supposed to do. That's why they were created. And that's why we have a military. We have a huge military, just not quite as big as it used to be because Joe Biden and his administration has run a lot of people out of the military in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. There's some more stupid stuff happening, this one in the U.S. Supreme Court. Senate Judiciary Democrats, they're going after Chief Justice John Roberts. They just keep doing it. They're asking for answers on the ethical standards in the Supreme Court. Now, they did this yesterday, and they did that after just two days before all nine Supreme Court justices issued a very rare but unanimous statement that explains how the Supreme Court handles internally its any ethical issues. Chief Justice Roberts included the statement along with his Tuesday letter that declined 
Democrat Illinois Senator Dick Durbin's invitation to come before and testify to the committee at an upcoming hearing on Supreme Court ethics reform. Democrats, in their letter, argue that the justice's statement raises more questions than it resolves. And they want, they're demanding more information by May 1st, the day before this hearing is scheduled. Quote, your answers will inform the committee's work on legislation that seeks to ensure that the ethical obligations and practices of all justices are at least on par with those that govern the rest of the federal judiciary and the federal government generally. In other words, they want it like, if we don't like how you rule, we're going to go after you on ethics grounds. A guy named Mike Davis, who's the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, he said that the letter was another attack on judicial independence. Dick Durbin knows better than this, Davis said. This is a purely transparent and shameful attempt by Senate Democrats to attack the Supreme Court and judicial independence at the same time because the Senate Democrats don't like the court's current composition. Democrats continued in their letter to ask for the date that justices subscribe to the statement whether the court requires unanimity to adopt a resolution to follow those ethics regulations and what guidance they receive on deciding who controls and which authorities are to be consulted on ethical issues. They also ask what the consequences are for failing to respond to a letter of inquiry from the Judicial Conferences Committee on Financial Disclosure, and if there's ever been any censure, reprimand, admonition, sanction, or other penalty imposed on a justice who fails to abide by a principle cited in the justice's statement. Here's what their letter said. Again, this is coming from Dick Durbin. The justices, like other federal judges, consult a wide variety of authorities to address specific ethical issues and said all of this was intended to dispel common misconceptions. They may turn to judicial opinions, Justice Roberts said, treatises, scholarly articles, disciplinary decisions, and the historical practice of the court and the federal judiciary. They may also seek advice from the court's legal office from their colleagues, too. Even after this statement, other Democrat members of Congress, they weren't satisfied. They continued to push for reform. This is a hollow statement. That's from Democrat New York Rep. AOC, a court that rejects accountability for itself erodes its own legitimacy to hold others accountable in turn. On Wednesday, Democrat Connecticut Senator Blumenthal, he called Clarence Thomas's failure to disclose expense-paid trips from friends and uh, billionaire Harlan Crow. he called it potentially criminal. We told you this story the other day. Justice Thomas noted in a statement that he sought guidance from colleagues who told him the trips were not reportable. Lisa Murkowski, a so-called 
Republican senator from Alaska, and Senator Angus King, who, by the way, is an independent from Maine, also introduced some legislation on Wednesday that would require the Supreme Court to issue a code of conduct within a year. You know, all that falls under what I call nanya. <laughs> nanya, Supreme Court. They've got it figured out. The Constitution set it up, mandated the way it's supposed to be regulated, and it is not the business of the legislature. Just like Congress and legislation is not the business of the Supreme Court. Thank you for being here all week long. Thank you all for being here all the time. I want you to have a great weekend. Enjoy your family. Do something fun. We'll be back with you first thing Monday morning. Oh, by the way, pray for the nation. Have a good one, folks. You deserve it. We'll see you Monday. Wish I knew what was going wrong. Seems so very long since we left together. It's no good to be all alone When you put a friend And you both feel empty What I give to erase the pain Will we both afraid that our love may fade and we just won't make it maybe soon we'll be friends again find ourselves and then really make it happen Fade